Welcome to the podcast, the Wiggly podcast from the Wiggly sofa in Wiggly land, which is Lower Blakemere, Herefordshire. Today, we have four people on the Wiggly sofa, but we are lacking farmer Phil. Yes, poor old Phil. He's in a bit of a quandary, isn't he? Just farmer like Phil is a bit dilemma. compressed, depressed. Yeah. He's gone to get his new compressor because the other one had a fire. Right. So he's just winging his way back from Bristol. Oh, okay. To see if the eBay chap was telling the truth. Right, right. That's so, on the sofa, I have on my left Richard from Wiggly Wigglers. And over the way, we have Faye. I say. <laughs> Hello. What a nice day. And, and Faye is from the British Hedgehog Preservation Society. That's right. So, welcome to the Wiggly Sofa, Faye. Thank you. We're going to give you a grilling on. <laughs> Ground nesting birds, badgers, and hoggies, and all sorts oh, of yeah, what happened? <laughs> Hedgehogs have six thousand spines, apparently. Round about, I've never counted, but somewhere there. And we have Alison. Hey, I'm back. Alison's given up working on a Thursday, so we don't very often see Al on the podcast. Oh, I'm but, back. Anyway. Yeah, but this is a special because we're going to find out about Alison's hoggy in her sofa. Ooh. Watch this space. Anyway, let's get on with the show. We've got loads of stuff to get through. Rich, you've got something there about hoggies, is it? Hoggies. Well, this isn't about hoggies in actual fact. This is a bit of feedback. This is a bit of feedback for us from somebody that, on hearing their name, I mentioned their name, will shrink into the corner of their sofa, judging by the putting this in this email to me. What's her name then? Jill Grimble. Jill Grimble. Jill Grimble. Jill Grimble. That was Michael saying Jill Grimble. <laughs> Hello, Jill. Hello, Jill. And I met Jill at an HDRA gig, a master composting do at Garden Organic, right earlier this year. And Jill came along to one of the workshops, and we sat together when we listened to Bob Flowerdew talking about all things composting-like. I think I took a photograph of Jill and Bob together because all the master composters were going up and having their photo taken with Bob. Anyway, Jill says... Hi Richard, I vastly enjoy the Wiggly podcast and this is the first time I've been bold enough to contact the Wiggly outfit to say so. There are so many articles and interviews I've enjoyed, most especially composting related matters, Terry Walkner's allotment and much of the wildlife issues to name a few. Jill goes on to say, I'd be most interested to find out more details about Lindsay Neal's experience of how to set up nappy composting in order to produce an article for our Master Composter newsletter. Jill, I'll get, the, as soon as I've heard from Lindsay, I will let you know. I think she may well be away in Africa at the moment doing her, her bits over there. But as soon as she gets back to me, I'll put you guys in touch and she'll be able to fill you in with some more Jen. Jill also says, best regards to yourself and fellow podcasters, Heather and Varma Phil. Looking forward to future podcasts with anticipation. I hold you all in awe as I'm not a natural communicator and have to force myself to put my head above the parapet. I would love to know your secret. Uh, what is our secret? <laughs> there is no secret. Is there? It's just a question of opening your mouth and disengaging your brain. Well, I've come <laughs> and, up with it. Uh, and yeah. hey, presto. <laughs> well, I think the, the secret will be fuzzy wuzzy, right? Yeah, fuzzy wuzzy. We've had fuzzy wuzzy. <laughs> fuzzy wuzzy was a bear. Fuzzy wuzzy had no hair. Quickly. Fuzzy wuzzy wasn't fuzzy wuzzy. Uh, there you are, Jill. So that's a classic example. Uh, it says, P.S. I'm a Wiggly Wigglers customer as well. Tell oh, Heather, love the products I bought. Good. Wormery stuff, Bokashi bins and recover products, plus many more. 
I'm going greener by the month thanks to Wiggly Wigglers. Ah, oh, and I'm so going sweet. blonder by the month. You are? Yeah, I noticed a few <laughs> highlights in the, uh, in the head right. of Barnet today. Al, you know something about composting nappies in a can of worms, don't you? Don't um. do it. <laughs> no, just don't do it. <laughs> oh, I know, I can't say, can I? Someone wanted to buy one of the uh, meat mincers to put the nappy through it first and then put it into a can of worms. But I'm not sure whether it was a wind-up or not because I got off the phone and I was just totally... uh. (laughs) Anyway, we've got a latest iTunes review in the US iTunes, so thank you very much. Al, would you like to read it out and then we'll get on with the meeting gossip this week. It's from SF Bay Gourmet in San Francisco. And it reads, the Wiggly podcast instantly flew to my top five. Great information on gardening and sustainability, perhaps with a UK perspective, but great info. Charming banter and chemistry. It's one I don't miss. Please keep up the great podcasts. Does the Wiggly shop ship to the States? Oh, well, occasionally, if it's light enough and we can get it there, sometimes we do, but not if it's seed, because that wouldn't be right. Or worms. No, or worms. Mm. How many stars? Five stars. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bring in Faye. Yes, the business of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Faye. Let me just see you. I know I've seen you before at uh, Malvern Spring Show. Yeah. Because you guys are out and about all the time, aren't you? Trying yeah. to engage people to, to join the, uh, the Hedgehog Preservation Society. Yeah. You've got quite right. a few members, haven't you? About 11,000 now. That's quite impressive, really, because actually it's not necessarily a society that lots of people will have heard of, and I'm hoping that from your coming along today that people may well be inclined to shell out. What's it cost to join a society? It's a bargain. It's 750 a year. That is, so that is a bargain. <laughs> that is a bargain. What do people get for their 750? They get a booklet, about a 36-page booklet on hedgehogs and how to look after them in the garden, how to build hedgehog homes, and also they get a certificate, a car sticker, newsletters. Oh, wonderful. So a whole, a whole posse of stuff, really. A bargain for 750 And of course, 750 <laughs> does. I guess it's quite important for you guys to be able to draw in those, those £7.50s. Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for the members, we, we wouldn't be able to keep going. We're always looking for new members. Yeah. What sort of things do you find yourself engaged with what do you do for our little humble hedgehog well we have a network of about 600 carers nationwide and all of those people take in hedgehogs if they're sick injured or orphaned and a big part of my job is answering the phone to the public who found a hedgehog in their garden and then putting them in touch with their local carer who can hopefully take the hedgehog on and, and rehabilitate it right oh wonderful why, nice. why would they take a hedgehog out of a garden why would there be so many sick hedgehogs then or are people just picking them up and sending them to a carer willy-nilly? If they phone us, then we, we can determine whether it needs rescuing or not. A lot at this time of year are, are youngsters that have been born and about eight weeks they're fully weaned, so mum sort of abandons them then, by which point they're not always hardy enough to survive on their own. So there's a lot found quite small, lay out in the garden, a bit cold. They, they tend to lie out sunbathing in the garden... Uh, if they get hypothermia, they try and get some warmth in, in their bodies from the sun. Uh, and people phone up all the time with sunbathing hedgehogs. Oh, really? Wow. Mm. Why are you so interested in hedgehogs? Uh, some people would say, leave it, Faye. You know, let them take their natural course. This is all part of how life is. And mm. fried hedgehogs are all part of it. Maybe that would make food for something else. Yeah, I mean, it might do, but sadly, hedgehog numbers are quite seriously in decline, so we do need to look after the ones we've got as best we can. 
I was going to ask you about that. It does seem to be, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but, you know, when you're driving along, I remember years ago driving along and you'd see squashed hedgehogs all the time. And now you see very few squashed hedgehogs. And I'm kind of inclined to think it's not because hedgehogs have wised up to the fact they're going to get squashed on the road. It's purely mm. because many have been squashed and there are fewer of them. Sadly, that is the case. If there are dead hedgehogs on the road, though it's sad to see them, that it does generally indicate there's a good population locally. Right. There are surveys that have been done where they count the numbers of hedgehogs that people see on the road dead, right. and from that they can get a population number for live ones in the area. Yeah. Well, what's the forecast for the plight of our, our little hedgehog? We've recently teamed up with the People's Trust for Endangered Species to do a project called Hogwatch, right. which is to try and get a photo snapshot of, of where hedgehogs are in the country and where they're not. We've got some results which are on our website, um, which is britishhedgehogs.org.uk. Right. Um, we're still working on it as well. We've got scientists counting hedgehogs as we speak to try okay. and find out what's going wrong and, and why they're in decline in some areas and not in others. So from your own experience and the, the knowledge that you have now, what are the main reasons for the decline of hedgehogs? What are the main threats to them? There are lots of things it could be. I mean, loss of habitat is probably a, a big one and fragmentation of habitat where people insist in blocking up every single gap that they can in, in their gardens, you know, putting high fences around it, concreting over lawns, yeah. putting decking over lawns, yeah. um, just losing the, the, the habitat that they live and feed from. Yeah, so I, it's one. interesting. I mean, we're inundated with people asking us how they can get hedgehogs into the garden. And, mm. uh, and really the, the, the main advice I give is that they just need some habitat. You know, they need mm. places where they can sleep and feed. So they, they need they you know, rotting log piles to attract all the inverts and the slugs and, and worms and things that they enjoy mm. feeding on. And places to hide, you know, places to sleep in the daytime and whatnot. Yeah, and places to get in. You know, people phone up and say, I've not got hedgehogs. And then it turns out they've got solid six-foot fence all around their garden, you know. Right. So they just need a five-inch square gap at the, at the bottom in a few places and just to enable them to get into the garden, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. otherwise there's no, no start, there's no good having a hedgehog house in a hedgehog-proofed garden. <laughs> no, they do seem to fare well in gardens, don't they? I mean, you, you do find yeah. them in, in really quite considerable urban settings, you know. Yeah, you do, and, you know, we get calls from centre of Birmingham, London, really urban settings where they've got hedgehog families that they, they love to see because it's not all that much nature that they get to see and they, yeah. they do love to see the hedgehogs in the gardens and they survive well there as long as there's somewhere to hide, somewhere to nest and plenty of food around, then they'll do well. They're not just cute though, are they? They do eat slugs and yeah, snails. Yeah, they eat slugs, snails, worms, beetles, all sorts of things. The gardeners often like them, obviously, because they do eat the, the slugs, so they keep the populations down mm. without the need of pesticides. It's <laughs> a perfect four people in this room to start a flatten the fence campaign. They hate fences because of... We, so we started that a while ago, didn't we? Flatten, yeah. flatten the fence campaign. But there's yeah. Alison there who grows native hedges, so she can't Excellent. stand fences. Right. I mean, we've had That'd a complete anti-barley blue fence campaign for mm, since, since this podcast dot. started, yeah, really. Right. And Ricardo, you're not a fence fan, are you? No, no, not into fences, really. I, well, I kind of like the, the woven, you know, hazel stick fences, you know. With the, the whole with the the gaps size they're, they're, of the... Absolutely, <laughs> they're quite nice. Used, used, using, you know, indigenous native coppiced woods and things like that, I mean, that's a, a fence to behold. But, yes. uh, you know, the old larch lap Scandinavian dodgy fences, I'm kind of, you know, keeping out your neighbours, blocking out your space, you know, minimising your outlook and just kind of keeping you ensconced in your own territory. I find that slightly... Strange, really. It doesn't uh, doesn't help broaden the horizons of you or your local wildlife. So, it's just so that it's, it one seems. Small word to say to you. What's that? 
Pussy cat. Yeah, well, yes, well, I mean, actually, I wonder if it's, is it possible to, to deter cats and encourage hedgehogs? I don't know. Uh, possibly, possibly not. In fact, lots of people, if they put their food out for hedgehogs, the local cats come in and eat their yeah, food. Yeah, it can be a problem, the, yeah. The but you can feed hedgehogs food that cats aren't keen on. Things like chopped unsalted peanuts or sunflower hearts, raisins, sultanas, oh. even a little bit of moistened Weetabix is all fine for hedgehogs and okay. cats turn their nose up at that, so that's fine. Or, or you can mix in the nuts with the, the cat food and that puts a lot off too. So. Right. Oh, that's interesting. That's, uh, that's and, and probably quite oh, a nutritious meal, actually. mix in the nuts with the cat food, so... Mm. And uh, not, it wasn't, won't stop all cats, but a lot of the cats are too fussy to pick the meat out and leave the nuts. So, yeah, so, yeah. Bread and milk's worth avoiding, is that right? It is, yeah. Milk's um, got lactose in it, which hedgehogs struggle to digest. And the bread isn't bad for them, but it's not all that good for them either, so it fills them up without them getting much um, goodness mm, from the food. Right, that's interesting. What other thing? I mean, poisoning in the garden, you know, I often talk about slug pellets, for instance, and mm. I, I imagine, well, it, there's, there's sufficient documented evidence now to back up the fact that reasonable amount of our wildlife has been and is continued to be poisoned mm. by said slug pellets. Yeah. Is that still having an effect on hedgehog populations? It, it must do locally where, where the poisons are used, yeah. yeah. Hedgehogs will eat slugs that have at the pellets and they'll also eat the pellets themselves. So right. Not good news. Not for ideal. Not, no. not at all. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, as gardeners, you know, people, I, I imagine there are very few people that would intentionally put down slug pellets if they thought mm. they, were, they were going to kill this very song thrush and the hedgehog that they want to get in their garden. That's right, yeah. So it's just a question of opening people's eyes to the fact that that's, that's exactly what's going to happen if yeah. they use them. I'm surprised, Faye, that you <coughs> haven't mentioned badgers yet. Because I have to say that I've got a real suspicion <laughs> that the massive increase in badger population has certainly uh, meant that there's a decline in hedgehog population. Badgers have been known to eat the odd hedgehog and also <laughs> they do uh, compete for the same food. So where badgers are strong, it's true that often hedgehog populations aren't that big. But they can't be blamed for the, for the national decline because also hedgehogs are declining where badgers aren't present. So there's something else, a bigger picture. Are you going to run... Is the Hedgehog Preservation Society and the Badger Appreciation Society going to um, head towards each other and lock in sort of badger, hedgehog, spiny jaws and have I a big scrap. I can't see that happening, no. <laughs> or will you be truthful, though? Because what if you do find out that the badgers are actually wiping mm. out the hoggies? That's not going to be too popular with the hoggy members, is it? Well, badgers and hedgehogs have lived alongside each other for centuries, you know, long before we started intervening with badger numbers or hedgehog numbers. So nature will, will find its own balance. But like I say, the hedgehogs are declining where badgers aren't. And we do hear stories of people feeding badgers and hedgehogs in the garden and eating, you know, ha- quite happily alongside each other without uh, either one attacking the other. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah that's uh, interesting stuff, isn't it? So mm. it's, yeah, it's very much down to human influence affecting these animals ultimately. Um, there was there's a situation up in the, one of the uh, the Scottish Isles. You now a couple of years ago, it made media headlines in practically every news program you watched about the situation of ground nesting birds being threatened by a massive overpopulation of hedgehogs. Are you on Isle of Uist? Isle of Uist, that's right, yeah. A couple of hedgehogs were reportedly taken over to the island in the 70s to help control slug populations in one of the islanders' gardens. Okay. And the population boomed because, uh, you know, there's no natural predators, there's barely any roads. Very rural. <laughs> roads. Yeah. Well, roads are a problem for hedgehogs. Yeah, roads are a problem. So uh, they are a problem for hedgehogs. So they had very little to steady their numbers and they, right. they increased right. hugely. 
Um, Is there any badges there? There aren't any badges on the mm. island, no. But they, they increased hugely and, and they have been blamed for eating the, the eggs of the ground nesting birds. Right. There are other things up there which eat the eggs as well. There are mink, rats, gulls, feral cats but it's the hedgehogs that got the blame, so they had to be moved. The people who found there was a problem uh, decided to to cull them, and we and three other groups formed a group called US Hedgehog Rescue and went and rescued them instead, shipped them over to the mainland and and released them there. Okay, did you yourself go up there? I didn't. (laughs) Not yet, anyway. It's still going on, so I could yet, but I've not been yet. So how do you do that? How do you rescue a hedgehog? How do you catch them, and uh, and then are they, they easily released into a different territory? They are really, they're not territorial, so as long as they've got all they need in, in an area, um, and as long as hedgehogs currently live there, so they've you know, proven it's, it's a good area for hedgehogs to be, then, right. then they seem to adapt really well. It's not easy to catch them, right. <laughs> as the people culling them and the people trying to rescue them find out. <laughs> yeah. So it's a case of wandering around the island and, and sort of trying to spot them at night and bagging them up and taking them back to the, to the rescue centre. Uh, okay. All With right. a fish in it. <laughs> I think they use pillowcases actually to carry them back. Yeah. Oh, makes very well. Pillowcase full of hedgehogs. <laughs> I think it was one per pillowcase. Yeah. <laughs> There's a pillowcase shortage now. Yes, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, well, at least pillowcases without well holes be. in them. Yeah. So, where did they go to? You know, say we really wanted a used hedgehog. Is that mm. possible, or you know, how do you how do you apply for to be a hoggy mum? Well, the ones from the U.S. were shipped over to a centre that was also a partner in the, in the rescue project called Hesselhead Wildlife Rescue Trust, and they're based in Ayrshire, and a huge wildlife rescue there. They sort of shipped them over, give them a health check, fed them up, made sure they were okay, then released them into gardens in that area, you know, so they didn't have any further to travel. So a lot of people in England were crying out for used hedgehogs, but yeah. <laughs> they couldn't have them <laughs> because they all went to, you know, so, so the hedgehogs didn't have to travel so far. Carers, you know, we've got, like I say, about 600 carers around the country and they do look for homes for hedgehogs. So, you know, contact the local carer rather than the Scottish ones and then you might be with a chance of having a hedgehog. It's fascinating stuff. It's amazing. I mean, I've had a, a interesting, you know, we're talking about the difficulties in catching hedgehogs. When I was a kid, we used to often have all sorts of animals that were wounded and you'd find them in various places. And hedgehogs are amazing at escaping they, they don't need a big gap, do they, to get out of somewhere or to get in, get into somewhere. And I remember having a hedgehog in our, what was our utility room in our, in our family home, and it escaped out of this box. And we spent days in this really <laughs> small space trying to find it. And it sort of it managed to jam itself, ensconce itself underneath the toilet, you know, and, and right. it, would, it would almost disappear. They, they yeah. do, they're like little Houdinis, aren't they? They are. People are often ringing in with hedgehogs they found you say have you got them in a box they say yes one to the box and say oh no (laughs) (laughs) and it's somewhere in the house often somewhere like behind the fridge freezer where there's quite a lot of warmth because when the ones that are you know when they're rescued from the gardens are often very cold so they they sense the warmth and and head towards the back of the fridge freezer or the washing machine or whatever's warm on that note here's a link coming up on just this very week on Tuesday Al came into the office and we heard some whooping and hollering and hoggy talk Al what happened happened? on farm Burns Hill (laughs) farm Burns Hill in the kitchen and the Jack Russell Terrier, who usually goes completely mad when he sees a rat or something, was going crazy under the couch in the kitchen. We've got a small couch in there. And we thought, oh, it's probably just a tennis ball or something like that. But it wasn't a tennis ball sort of yelp. He was going absolutely crazy. And he could, 
We could we lifted the couch up anyway after several minutes thinking what on earth's under there and couldn't see anything. So he had to literally cut away at the Hessian underneath and there was a hedgehog in there. Oh wow. He's come in from all outside at <laughs> the path from the farmyard and managed to get in under the couch. Yeah. People do <laughs> find them in very odd places. Yeah. Really what was it how doing did he, in the couch how this time of year? I don't know. Was he going to hibernate this time of year? It's a little bit early for hibernation, yeah. but if it was a youngster they'll come out during the day sometimes for food and, and you know, they didn't ought to be it's if they're not coping very well, so it could have been He'd wandered in for some warmth, and it, maybe if you feed the dog or the cat in the house, he might have uh, yeah. smelt it. Anyhow, <laughs> no one saw him. Or another possibility is, I suppose, the dog may have brought him in. We do hear that. There's one lady who used to ring up, and she said that she'd got a Labrador, and every night it would go out, pick the hedgehog up, without hurting it or the, or the hedgehog, and bring it in, put it in front of its food, <laughs> 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 and then take it back out. I don't oh. think she was joking. <laughs> <laughs> That's <quite good. laughs> She's a feed the hedgehog up every night. What's her name? I'd like to know her. She sounds a perfect weekly customer. She does. She does. One thing I'd like you to... I've asked this, this email already. Uh, someone from a Susan contest a while ago. So she wonders whether, whether we can help her. Uh, she says, we have a hedgehog. New to our garden, we regularly have hedgehogs at night. However, this is a very small hedgehog who we think lives in our hedgehog house. He comes out at 2pm in the afternoon and lies asleep in the sun for half an hour or so. Then he roams the garden, goes to his feeding station and eats well. Then goes back to his house at about 5pm. I'm intrigued the way Susan has stood and timed this hedgehog, you know, meticulously day after day. Is he supposed to be out during the day? He seems very healthy, running around the garden. He is eating well. We thought hedgehogs mainly came out at night. What would your response be to that? Well, they do mainly come out at night. And I'm a bit worried about the lion in the sun because it's the thing I've mentioned earlier, the sunbathe, and it usually has hypothermia. Right. And they don't usually manage to cure themselves of it, so it could well be worth a call into the office to see who a local carer is. Okay. Sometimes you'll see, uh, about this time of year and and even a little bit earlier, you'll see mums out of the nest during the day, sort of having a break, getting some food for themselves while the babies are asleep. Right. And if they're walking purposefully and foraging for food, acting as you'd expect a hedgehog to act, but in the daylight then it's worth just keeping an eye on them, making sure that they, they are well. Hopefully it's one that's OK, but he does sound, you know, it's a bit of a worry that he's sunbathing, so, okay. especially being small. Right, right, that's interesting stuff. And then another inquiry that I had, which I'd just like to, I'd like to read that, because it's interesting stuff. Sandra Clark, she set a trap for rats, because we, we sell humane traps. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that occasionally squirrels will wander into a, a humane squirrel trap, and I mean, one of the beauties with humane traps is if you do catch something accidentally, inadvertently, then you can let them go um, because you should check these things at least once a day or so. Now, she has said that she's had a, a, a humane rat trap and the poor squirrel has got, a uh, poor squirrel, the poor hedgehog has got jammed in there. Um, now, when I got in touch with the suppliers of our, of our traps, they said what would be advisable is to put the trap on a, perhaps a brick, elevate it a bit, because the rats would still get in there, um, and that would exclude the hedgehog, but I'm not entirely sure. I mean, mm. I've got to think, because hedgehogs are, they're relatively good climbers, aren't they? They're really good climbers, yeah. yeah. They can climb up to sort of six foot if they've got a good foothold. Right, right. Um, so, you know, they really can climb. Yeah, so yeah. I don't think that would dissuade they them. Stri- they don't look like climbers, <laughs> do they? I mean, they don't, no, they don't. They don't strike but, you as, uh, uh, you know... They, as, they as, climb up and then they just roll into a ball and, and drop down the other side and the spikes cushion the, the fall so oh, yeah. cool. they are really good at climbing so I don't think like Steve McQueen spinner. in The Great Escape <laughs> just like that <laughs> so I don't think the brick brick would work I mean we, we have 
often had calls about this, right. um, but usually they are just just released again. You know, yeah. release them the next night, and that's usually fine. But uh, they're pretty robust, aren't they? Adjust. Yeah, they are, especially the adult ones. You know, I mean, the babies can be a bit more vulnerable, but the adult ones. It's not going to do them any good, but it won't do them any harm either. Yeah, <laughs> so just yeah. to be released the next, next night would be fine. Right. I know we're looking at developing a hoggy box together. Mm. Can you just explain to listeners what the key thing is, if you're going to make your own or if you want a hoggy box in your garden? Because you know, I've had some people who say, oh, there's no point in supplying boxes for hedgehogs and stuff like that. All you need is, you know, I don't know, parlour leaves or whatever. Mm. Is it? worthwhile and if so what are the key points of what your perfect hoggy my, mansion my dream should, hedgehog yeah house. dream <laughs> hedgehog house location um, location location well it, it's certainly worthwhile if you've not got any natural habitats which a lot of people haven't you know if they've just got a lawn or what have you or a few, few plants so that's a good idea it also provides greater protection from the weather and from predators than a nest that that the hedgehog could make itself so my dream hedgehog house <laughs> would have a tunnel to protect the hedgehog from predators and, again, from the weather. Internal tunnel, if possible, because that won't get knocked out by foxes, badgers, cats, dogs, anything else. Tuck it up under, under a hedgerow or in the bottom of a compost heap, something like that, and fill it with straw, dry leaves, anything like that. That would be wonderful. <laughs> And is a perfect hoggy box made of wood or are they not fussy? The wood ones seem to be quite good because they you know, allow the box to, to breathe a little bit. Often people will use water-based preservative on the outside, not the inside, just to sort of protect the box rather than the hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> the wood ones do seem to work quite well, but you know, we're always looking for, for different ideas because the wood obviously does eventually rot. And are you supposed to clean it out? <laughs> oh, that's a big question. <laughs> We've got two in our garden that we don't clean out. In the wild, nests will be reused and obviously don't get cleaned out. So they will get reused. And we put a bundle of straw just near the entrance towards hibernation time and towards nesting time. But people often do really want to clean them out. <laughs> and the best times are October, which is after nesting time is over and before hibernation, or March, which is after hibernation and before nesting time. Uh, but if there's anything in residence, then I wouldn't recommend cleaning that because it's just it, relaxed, going to disappear. Isn't it? Just leave it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 it yeah. is. I think yeah. so. We get loads of um, calls asking how many hedgehogs are fit in a hedgehog box. Do they all right. group together, or do they like to live singly? Or they're, they're very solitary once they're adult. The only time they generally live together is the mum with the baby. So the dad has nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, other than the obvious. So. Um, <laughs> the mum and the babies will live together for, for eight weeks and after that they are pretty solitary it's not unheard of but it's quite unusual yeah. for more than one to be in a box yeah. they grow quickly then mm, very, yeah. they have to yeah yeah I suppose they do <laughs> lastly apart from the obvious how do you tell the male from the female well you can't tell it by size um, people will phone and think that the big ones are the males the small ones are the females but it's, it's not always the case you have to actually look underneath them, which they're not very keen on letting you do. So, <laughs> But if, if a hedgehog is in your garden consistently, if you sit night after night, then it usually is a female because the males will roam further and, and be less faithful to one garden. So, And when they get together for a bit of rumpty-pumpty... Hmm. I can see what's coming here. <laughs> <laughs> how come the male doesn't get... Uh... Pricked. <laughs> <laughs> Even, yeah. a, even a small prick can cause quite a swelling. Yeah. Oh, Rich. Well, it's a, it's a delicate business. 
<laughs> um, and people often the, the male will suckle the female for quite a few hours before attempting anything. Or um, what? Circle. Yeah, that, I'm the, sorry, they said suckle. <laughs> circle is my accent. <laughs> um, they'll wander round around the female, and she'll keep turning him away <laughs> until the final, <laughs> so she can't resist any longer. Starts it. I always have to bring <laughs> things down to base levels, don't you? Right? It was going so well. <laughs> so yeah, no, just and a then, nice clean show. <laughs> and then she'll, she'll and lower then. her spines. What? So she lowers her spines, flattens them right down so that there's less risk. Less <laughs> the prick. <laughs> well, another family show is today on the Wiggly Sofa. <laughs> if you do want to find out any more details of the sex life of a hoggy, please go to your website, which is www.britishhedgehogs.org.uk. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. <laughs> and explaining all the ins and outs of yeah, Hoggy's yeah. life Thanks, to us. And Alison, what has happened to your Hoggy? Well, we put him in the garden by the compost team. Not so by the Jack Russell? No, away from the dogs. Good one. Yeah. Good plan. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email... Richard at wigglywigglers.co.uk Heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk Alison at wigglywigglers.co.uk Info at britishhedgehogs.org.uk Catchy. I bet that's not to fay, is it? Or you can get hold of Farmer Phil at pwg at lowerblakemere.co.uk It's a good job he's not been in today. It is. It's been so much more interesting without him. Absolutely. <laughs> not really. It, the harvest is not harvesting at all. No, poor old Phil's suffering, isn't it? Yeah, so he's a, he's a bit uh, down in the dumps. So any messages of support, put them on Facebook. Put something cheerful like, don't worry... It'll all be all right, and the sun is coming out. It is. Is it? I think it is. Yeah, the sun is coming out. Brilliant. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, two things to tell you. <gasps> Citizens of the world, the poster's out for the Terry Walton and you, isn't it? Littered around Herefordshire. Yes, yes. Terry Walton and I, actually, Terry and I sat down yesterday and we worked out a kind of rough idea for uh, for the evening, but rough because we want it to be as impromptu as possible. What's that banging? Best made plans and all that. My foot in excitement in that anticipation of the 10th say. of October. 10th of October from 7.30 till 10 at the Village Hall in Preston-on-Wye. We have definitely not gardener's question time. And tickets are being sold at the moment on the Wiggly website. And I think... We will have a special guest from California coming and over. And don't leave it to the last minute, guys, to buy our tickets because they will get sold out. Oh, cocky. <laughs> hey! I, I, just being realistic. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Because you're the star of it? Not, so, not I'm not star. the star, no, you're no. You're second I, I'm second, second in, in the whole set of proceedings, but uh, it, it, it's going to be a ball. Is it going to be a ball? Well, I think Is it so. going to be a sellout? I'm going to have a good time anyway. I'm bringing the pickled onions. Excellent. Anyway, and also lastly, I must tell you this. We're going to stop podcasting in a couple of weeks. Da, da, da. But we're going to do something else to take its place, aren't we? Because we're going to do a video cast. A series of video casts are coming up. So not only, dear listener, can you listen to our dulcet tones, but you can see us performing. (laughs) Which you may or may not wish to see. However... (laughs) But because we had such an appalling summer, we need to catch up, don't we? we? We've been meaning to do these things for ages, and so consequently we have to take the time and something's got to go as a result. You know, we've been accused of looking a little bit like Laurel and Hardy together. Yeah. I was thinking that I could have a height enhancer. 
Okay. And stand on a box. Some sort of stilt situation. Yes. Right. <laughs> so that then we'd be sort of up together. So you are always on your soapbox anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's bye from us. Bye from me. Bye from me. Bye from me. Bye.